looking at Praise Him, our song in a questionable world. Um, regardless of what takes place in this world, we've still got something to be thankful for. We've still got uh, something we can praise God for. For He still blesses us regardless of uh, what circumstances come around. And while when we're in the midst of that pain, it doesn't feel like a blessing, there's a blessing there. And we just have to be willing to say, Lord, thank you for whatever this is. Because maybe I'm not thankful for what I'm going through, but I'm thankful that you're going to get me through. So when you find your place in Psalm 3, stand with me, if you will, in honor and reverence of God's word. Psalm 3, verse 1 says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. That's important there. We'll come back to that where it says Selah. Verse 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek bone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house with your people. God, to worship you. Lord, to lift you up and praise you. God, I pray that we would do that in every part of our existence, Lord, that we would exalt you and expound upon your word. God, teaching, God, and preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray most importantly, if there's a soul here that's not been saved, I pray for the drawing power of conviction through the Holy Spirit, God, that they might be saved before it's eternally too late. God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. We see in these verses what we'll find is a story that parallels from the book of 2 Samuel in the life of David, where David has... Uh, essentially, he's faced it, facing a situation and a circumstance in his life that feels like pure and utter chaos. His own son, Absalom, has turned against him uh, to seek the power as the king of Israel. Uh, the Bible teaches in 2 Samuel 13, 14, and 15, you see this trans transition over where uh, Absalom begins to steal the heart of the people of Israel. And he begins to steal the heart of the people of Israel from the man that God placed in position as the king of Israel. And so he, he is stealing the heart of these people. And then eventually he uh, comes to Jerusalem and he spends time there campaigning. And essentially you'll find if you study out the scriptures in 2 Samuel, you'll find that he's even out doing the job of a king. He's out riding around in his chariot and he's out uh, visiting people and trying to fix their problems. He's doing the job of the king. And so that's a very offensive thing uh, uh, to do, and it wasn't his position. But throughout what he was doing, he was actually gaining.
gaining the love and gaining the, the, the fondness of the people of Israel. And so eventually there's so many people that have turned towards Absalom uh, that David flees Jerusalem. And that's where we find him. He flees Jerusalem and he goes to the Mount of Olives uh, to, to get away from this enemy. And we find that is where we're at in Psalm 3, the story of David fleeing his son Absalom. And so I want to preach to you this morning just for a few minutes the thought of confidence in chaos. Confidence in chaos. Uh, there, there are so many things in this world. It seems like we can be uh, uh, tracking through life and going through life and everything's going okay. And something happens, and I mean, the old, the old saying just throws a wrench in it. Uh, whatever it is in our life, things start to be going good. Every time we feel like that we're finally to a point where I like where I'm at, I like the way things are going, I like the direction of my life, something comes up and something happens. And inevitably, we go through uh, some other trial or some other tribulation. And uh, as Brother Chad said this morning in Sunday school, he mentioned how uh, he doesn't believe even a casual student of the Bible can believe that we go through life untroubled. Uh, you will not go through your Christian life without trouble. You will face circumstances that are uh, uh, ones that you would uh, rather just go around. You will face temptations and trials that you would rather just, uh, just go without. But it's because as a Christian you have a mark on you, the cross of Christ. The devil wants to track you down and put you through the ringer, if you will, to try to cause chaos in your life. And so David, we see here in the first couple verses of, of Psalm 3, he makes a complaint to God. He says, Lord, I'm facing a plotting enemy. He says, verse 1, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. God, I'm facing a plotting enemy. You'll find Absalom spent his time uh, campaigning and politicking uh, for 40 years. Uh, it took him a while to, uh, to uh, get, eventually get to the point where he could overthrow, uh, essentially try to overthrow David. And so we have a plotting enemy. He's saying, Lord, these people, they've taken time and they've, they've had conversations. This isn't just on a whim. This isn't just overnight. They have truly spent time to uh, try and overthrow me and run me out of Jerusalem. And Lord, these people are plotting against me. When things are done on a whim or things are just done uh, on the, I guess you would say, just off the hip, when things are just done immediately uh, against you, they usually don't have a deep-rooted effect. It's people that spend lots of time and lots of effort and, and, and exert lots of, of, of effort that truly have the greatest impact when they plot against us. It's people, we see that in the church. I've, I've experienced that and I know you have. It takes time to, to get close enough to somebody where it hurts you when, they, when they, break, uh, they break fellowship with you. It takes time for you to get close enough to somebody that when they plot against you, it really harms you spiritually. This is his own son. He's saying, my own son has plotted against me. My own son has turned my people against me. My own son has lied about me. My own son has been out doing the job that I'm supposed to do and, make it, and lifting himself up. Lord, I'm facing a plotting enemy. In verse 2, he says, Many there be which say of my soul, There is no help for him in God. David's saying, I'm facing a plotting enemy, and I'm also facing a pessimistic enemy. Even the people around me, they're, they're saying, I, God's left you, David. We're going to paint that picture in just a moment. But they were pessimistic about the situation David was in 
Have you ever had that? Someone come to you that's pessimistic about your faith or your, well, God's going to get me through this. I don't know. It looks pretty bad to me. You know, we get around people that they're not encouraging when we start going through a difficulty in life. That's what David was feeling. I mean, he truly, the only person he had to talk to was the Lord. These people had plotted against him. They were pessimistic against him. But he says there at the end of verse 2, and the the first time we find this looking through the Psalms is the musical pause where he says, there is no help for him in God. And then David says, Selah. Nobody's been able to truly pinpoint exactly what that means, but we know it's a musical pause. Y'all know I ain't a musician. But I know you pause. You pause before you start another song. You pause to, I like what one man says, is that harp strings soon get out of order and need to be screwed up again to their proper tightness. And certainly our harp strings are evermore getting out of tune. He's saying, Selah, Lord, I'm going to pause here. I've made my complaint about my plotting enemy. I've made my complaint about my pessimistic enemy. And I'm going to pause because, verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. Lord, I'm making a complaint to you, but I'm going to pause here because I have confidence in you. This is where it gets good. Much like our Savior, David flees Jerusalem and he goes through the Kidron Valley. You'll find in 2 Samuel, he crosses the brook of Kidron. And he eventually goes up and he climbs up the Mount of Olives. And he says here, verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory and the lifter up of mine head. He had confidence in God and he says, Lord, first and foremost, I have confidence in your defense of me. Because I've been through it before. This is, I've been stewing on this all week. I'm excited. And I got a new lapel, so I get to get out from behind the pulpit. Praise God this morning that David is walking down through the Kidron Valley. And he goes down and he crosses the brook of Kidron. And what you'll find about the brook of Kidron is that is a place of death and just darkness and evil and wickedness. Kidron's a place where they spread the bones, they spread the ashes. They, they, I mean, it's just a, a, a bad, wicked place. Kidron is between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And our Savior crosses the Kidron Valley when he goes to the Mount of Olives and he prays in Gethsemane. Praise the Lord. David is standing in the very valley that Jesus would one day walk through when he was in the utmost sorrow and the utmost pain and the utmost difficulty in his life. And so here's David, he's standing in Kidron. And I've had this picture in my mind all week. He's in Kidron, and he's saying, Lord, I'm making my complaint to you, and I'm I'm telling you, Lord, that I'm hurting. I'm telling you that I don't understand what's going on. But I believe he looked back up to Jerusalem, and he said, God, I remember the day that the bear and the lion walked out when I was just a little boy. And you, praise the Lord this morning. And you helped me 
get victory over the bear and the lion. And I remember the day when Goliath stood before me and you gave me victory over that giant. I remember the day when Saul came out and he wanted to kill me and he run me up into the mountains and you delivered me from the hand of Saul. I remember the day that Bathsheba stood out on her roof and I looked at her and at my own lust, I sinned with her and I killed her husband and I got into ungodliness and I remember the day, Lord, I look back to you in Jerusalem and I may be in the valley, but I have confidence in you because you've got me through day in and day out in my life. And I look back knowing that although Absalom, he's an intruder on that throne, you still control everything. Praise the Lord. Whew. I had to go down a size in my suit. About to blow out of this thing. Thank the Lord. In the Kidron Valley, we can look back and we can say, I see the walls of Jerusalem. I, he, I don't know that he could see. I ain't, ever, I ain't ever been over there. I barely got out of North Carolina in my life. But I think he probably looked back and he might not be able to see in the city. But Sam, he's probably looking at the bottom of the walls. He's looking at the ramparts. But he's saying, Lord, you set me on Zion. You find in chapter 2, we saw where the Bible says that he was set on the holy hill. God set David on Zion. But he's saying, Lord, I'm down here in the valley and all I can see is the ramparts. I can probably, he probably saw the sewage that was being pumped out of the city. He probably could smell the stench of the city because it's not beautiful on the bottom end. But Lord, I know over top of Zion, you're in control. And I've got confidence in you because you're my defense. You're a, you are the shield. I was thinking about a bird and how they protect their young. They shield them and they protect them and they get around them. Thou art a shield. You're my glory. Praise God that he's our glory. And within us, we can rejoice in the chaos of life that, Lord, you're, you're my glory. Through me shines you. And lifter up of mine head. I like that. Thinking back to the day when maybe he sinned with Bathsheba. You know that Bathsheba and his sin with her makes a greater mark sometimes in our memories than any of the great things God did with him. But you find he, got, he gained repentance. He regained fellowship with God. And that's the beautiful thing. Is that God welcomed him back in. God loved him. God allowed him to repent. God showed him his wrong. And he lifted up his head. I think he's down there. They send the, Another thing too, they sent the ark back to Jerusalem. The ark represents the presence of God. Man, he felt alone down there in Kidron Valley. But I believe he said, Lord, I'm out here. But I feel closer to you than I ever have. Confidence and chaos in your life means that you've got to understand in your valley, you've got to look back up and say, Lord, I've been cast out of the place where you set me. I don't understand what's going on, but you're still in control. I, I promise I don't get up here and just scream and shout at you every week for the fun of it. If I didn't believe this in my heart, I wouldn't be standing here telling you today. I've been through it. And confidence and chaos means we hold confidence in the defense of God. Lord, you've protected me before. And you do it again. It goes on into verse 4 and he says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. He goes back and he recalls, he, 
I, and that's what really struck up this thought for me, him standing down there in the valley. Lord, you put me there. You've put me in the valley, and I'm about to climb the Mount of Olives. And although I can just see it in the distance, I know you're still in control. Sometimes it feels like God takes away his blessings in our lives. I'm sure that's how David felt. David had been exalted and put in the position as the king. That was taken away. David had uh, been blessed and, and, and had been forgiven. This is after he, he got back into fellowship with God. God had allowed him back in. He was living right again, but yet his own son turns against him. What greater betrayal? Maybe to say, Lord, here I am. I'm standing amongst the bones of some of my ancestors that have died in this dark, dreary valley. But, Lord, I'm going to choose to have faith in you. We've got to have confidence in his defense of us, in his, in his plan that he's not just going to stick us out. And David was more protected down in that valley than he was in the walls of Jerusalem. But next he delights in God, verse 4. Or as we read verse 4, he delights in God. Where he says, and he heard me out of his holy hill. He believed God was still in control. Go on to verse number 5. Well, end of verse 4, he says, Selah again. We make another transition. From verse 1 and 2, we make a transition from complaint to confidence. And then in verse, at the end of verse 4, he says, Selah again, and we make a, a transition to cheer. We make a transition to cheer. He says, I laid me down and slept. I waked for the Lord sustained me. I believe these must, may be the most profound verses in Psalm 3. I like where he says, hey, although all this is going on, Lord, I've got a complaint. I'm going through difficulties. I've got confidence in you. I'm trusting you. You're my protector. I laid me down and slept. I wake for the Lord sustained me. He had cheer in the sustenance of God. Lord, although I may be down here in the valley and I'm not in my cushy uh, bed at home and I'm, I'm down here amongst the bones and I'm down here uh, by this brook and it's cold and it's dreary and it's dark and it feels uh, strange and it feels odd, I'm not going to fear anything when I lay down tonight because I know I'm exactly where you've got me. We think when we're in the valley we're miles and miles away from God because we look at the mountaintop we just left and we think, well, that, that's where our Christians should live. But you'll find, you do this Christian life long enough, you'll find you live in the valley much more than you do up on the mountaintop. You'll spend more time in the valley. And then he goes and he's going to climb the Mount of Olives. But I don't believe he had any fear for what enemy worked, lurked over the hills of Kidron. I don't believe he feared any serpent under any rock up, up the Mount of Olivet. I believe he knew, Lord, you're my sustenance. And I'm going to lay down tonight and I'm going to sleep like a baby. Because, Lord, you've got me. You're my shield. You're my protector. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. This is not politically correct. But General Thomas Jackson, more well known as Stonewall Jackson, when he got his nickname of Stonewall Jackson... The story recollects that he sat up on top of the hill in the midst of battle and musket balls and cannonballs are flying all around and he's cheering his men on, go fight, move forward. 
When asked about this, he said, My religious belief teaches me to feel as safe in battle as in bed. God has fixed the time for my death. I do not concern myself about that. But to be always ready, no matter when it may overtake me, that is the way all men should live. And then all would be equally brave. I believe old David, he settled in his heart, hey, I might be out here and we're pitching a tent and I could have been up there uh, uh, feasting up in the city in Jerusalem, but we're out here pitching a tent and we're, we're out here cooking rabbits and living out here in the woods. But Lord, I feel as safe here as I did at home. If you want to have confidence in chaos, you've got to remember that you're safe in the valley. And just because things aren't going your way and just because things are a little bit difficult, doesn't mean you're on the edge of death. God knows when it's appointed for you to die. God knows when it's appointed for something bad to happen to you. God knows and understands when a difficult trial is going to come around the next corner. He wants to sustain you through those things. He doesn't want you to clamor down in fear and turn away from the battle. He wants you to feel confidence, as confident in your bed as you do on the battlefield. I'm good wherever I'm at. I can't always say that. I'm telling you what, you let some people start shooting at you, you might change your mind. I've only been shot at once. And it was from a distance. That's just how they do it in Alaska. They, just, they don't want you around, they just shoot at you. They'll call the law later. Hey, it gets real. I got out of there. Devil starts shooting at me though, man, I'm gone. Run away. I believe God wants us to stare it in the face and say, Lord, sustain me through this, this trial. Lord, I'm going to lay my head down tonight knowing that you've got it in control. Lord, although some uh, crazy difficulties coming up in, in my life and I feel this chaos uh, of compassion about me, Lord, I have confidence in you. You're my sustenance. He cheered the sustenance of God and then he cheered the strength given by God. In verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. David's not being arrogant when he says that he would not be afraid of them. He wasn't being arrogant. He was saying, God, I know that you're my strength in this situation and that you know the time that I'll die. You know the time that I'll be uh, taken down. You know the time that I'll be defeated, but I have to face this trial knowing that you know what's on the other end. And that all these 10,000s that may come around me that Absalom has turned against me, you can defeat them all. You notice the devil attacks, it's always an overwhelming enemy that we face. It's never fair. The devil doesn't fight fair. He fights us face to face. We plead the blood. It's over. We must keep that same faith when we fight the ten thousands of demons and devils of this world. When we fight, face all that hell can gather together against us, we must maintain the same faith. Lord, you can, the, the, the devil's sending everything he's got, and I know you can defeat them just like you can one. That's what David's saying. 
It doesn't matter how many that, that's turned against me. It doesn't matter how many Absalom gains against, against me. It doesn't matter that my family's turning against me. It doesn't matter that my job's falling apart. It doesn't matter that my marriage is falling apart. Lord, you have the victory, and my victory is through you, and I'm not scared of what's down the, around the next corner because you've already won. That was David's attitude. And it's not that you want to sick the Lord on somebody. It's just that, hey, the battle's won. I don't have to worry about it. But so many times we try to fight it, don't we? We get one victory over Goliath. And man, I'll fight anybody or anything. I used to like to fight. I told my brother, he had never, he, he, he's, he's just young and full of, full of energy. I said, you hadn't been punched in the head enough times. You like fighting? Go out and let somebody wear you out a couple times. You won't like it. There's always somebody bigger than you. I promise you. I run just far enough till I run into somebody bigger than me, and then I didn't like fighting after that. We win one victory over Goliath, and God gives us, delivers us, and God gives us victory, and we get a little bit, ah, man, come on. See, see, see what will happen if you come up against me. David, he said, Lord, I'm letting you take this victory. Because of the lion and the bear, I couldn't have done that on my own. Goliath, I couldn't have done that on my own. My sin with Bathsheba, I couldn't have done that on my own. God, you win battles, and I'm letting you take it. That's what we ought to learn is that the more battles we get into, the less and less I jump to fight. No matter, 10,000 stand against me, Lord. I'm delighting and I'm cheering your strength. Verse 7, we're almost done. It ain't even 12. Praise the Lord. Verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheek bone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. David exemplifies confidence through his supplication. Any warrior makes preparation for battle. You just you get in a mental state. I don't know about going into battle, but I know about sports. You just get yourself in a certain mental state to be able to go and perform the way you want to. You make you get yourself in a mental state to face difficulty, whatever it may be, how big or how small, controversy and difficulty. You get your mind in a certain place. David is getting his mind right, and through supplication. He shows his confidence. He says, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. He says, you've already won against them. He's remembering back into Psalms 2 where God put him on the holy hill of Zion. He's remembering that God placed him as the king of Israel. And he's saying, Lord, you've already taken away their ability to defeat me because of who you are. Where he says that he's knocked the teeth from out of their mouths. Lord, you've taken their away, their, their ability to hurt me. Verse 8, he says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. He exemplifies his confidence and supplication, and then finally there in verse 8, it's salvation. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Lord, I'm going to get out of your way. Then he says, Selah. Makes another pause for the next trial. He had confidence in the coming conflict. 
He knew he was going to have to face it. Ain't no way around that other than just to tuck and run. But he's the king. God put him in that position. God exalted him. It was his responsibility to turn back to God and say, Lord, you've got to fight this battle. Lord, the only salvation I have is in you. I wonder if someone, get a song if you don't mind. Just a simple thought. Confidence and chaos. David was facing a great enemy. The enemy happened to be his own son. We forget sometimes these were people, real people. The mental conflict that had to come along with your own son turning against you. The mental conflict...